acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes... Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, y'all, hey, what's up? And welcome to Let's Red Table That. I'm Tracy T. Rowe. And I'm Cara Presley. How are you doing today, Tracy? You know how I'm doing. Come on, Cara. I know <laughs> Everyday you're amazing, successful. Baby. And I'm everyday amazing. That's exactly right. Exactly. It's the slogans for me. super duper excited. You and I both have some pretty doggone positive ways to look at things. You're successful. I'm everyday amazing. And what I love about that is that you and I are also... Five three, uh huh, and you and I are also full figured or what they call BBWs, right? And we are. I love that. I love that we each own it. Right. That was one of the I want to say like a pioneering moment when they asked us to do this podcast because I was like, wow, yes, you just accept us as we are, and we appreciate Red Table Talk for that. Today's episode is super successful. It's Queen Latifah. I mean, I was getting right into it. I'm sorry. You and I, T Y. Yes, yes. I love, love, love Queen Latifah. Like we love her. She was all about empowerment long ago. She started it out for a lot of Black women to see positivity in our age group on television. I remember being in a position where there was no one on TV that really looked like me. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And then when Lemon Single came out, it was like. <gasps> I relate to all of them. I bet this is true for you because you and I have that Aquarius power, right? Uh-huh. Did you feel like you could identify with more than one character? I definitely could relate to more than one character. Definitely could relate to Queen Latifah. And then I had a little spirit of Maxine and Sinclair at the same time. OMG, I totally see that. I totally see that. Can you? I do, and I love it. I'm here for it. Because I related to, of course, Queen Latifah because Queen Latifah was a boss. She was, still is. And still is a boss. And I'm glad that she's taken this whole weight issue and obesity as a charge for her. I'm grateful. Oh, she's changing the game. That's it. She is changing the game. She's been changing the game. So here's a fun fact. Back in, it had to be 2013, when she had the talk show, I actually won her fitness challenge. She had a fitness challenge. You got to talk about this. Listen, she had a fitness challenge on the show. I was already watching the show because I want to be a talk show host too. And again, she had set the bar, had become a host. And I'm like, look at her doing her thing, still changing the game. But she had a fitness challenge with the trainer and I won the challenge. And I have since gained all that weight back. But it was a great opportunity. And I won all these DVDs. I have no DVD player to play them on now. But, you know, it just shows the times. It's, it, was a, it was just a great experience. How 
super cool is that? This is totally full circle for you. Okay, so now she is fighting against this whole notion that society is trying to get us to live up to these expectations that are completely unrealistic. Right. Let's talk about it. Let me tell you, my elementary school experience was probably the most challenging, though. I was the tallest for the longest. Right. And then I was like, oh, I'm tall. But I was also developing and I was the chubby. You know how many words we have for little flat girls. Plump. I was full. I was fluffy. I was all those things, right? And my classmates were... The opposite. First of all, they were not black and they were not fluffy. That part. That is the challenge. High school was trying to fit in and try to be something, child. I don't know what we were trying to be, but when it comes to elementary school, I went to private school. And, you know, although there is no competition as far as, oh, we're all wearing the same thing, baby, we filling these things out different, okay? And when I say I was the first developing one, yeah, I was the first developing with the bra popping, you know what I mean? That is a different conversation when you are fully developed in fourth grade and I'm playing sports. We are bouncing. We are looking different than our peers. Well, I can tell you that feeling different is part of the reason why I am so adamant now to let people know that I see them, affirm them, and love them. I don't want anyone to feel the way that you and I are saying we felt when we were in school. That's why I'm more so just trying to allow people to be who they are and remind them they are successful in every state of being as they are. They are enough. Mm -hmm. So, yes, uh, I think that... Those experiences clearly (laughs) define the trajectory of our lives because now we're here. (laughs) We've gotten to share a bit about how we feel, but we want to also share what you, our community, had to say about this Red Table Talk episode. One of the fans asked Queen Latifah how she stops negative self-talk, so we asked you the same question. Here are some of your answers. To kick it off, VJ says, it just came to me. I was in my apartment, I walked past the mirror, and I caught a glimpse of myself, and it just hit me. I'm okay with me. I just cried and kept repeating it. We love that because I feel like we all have those breakthrough moments of, this is it. I love me. VJ, I love that. That's beautiful. Brown Betty said, I've learned from a queen on RuPaul to name my inner saboteur. Then talk back to it like, ain't nobody asked your stupid ass, Angie. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to Brown Betty. (laughs) She is a member of the Red Table Talk RVA group and an amazing comedian. And when I tell you, I read that in her voice. Oh, that's good. I love it. Did I do her justice? Come on here, Brown Betty. Why you name your saboteur Angie? Okay, for all the Angies in the world. Anybody ask you, Angie? I love it. I love it. I'm going to do that too. Marcus Johnson, shout out to him. He is actually another the Red Table Talk RVA member. He says, I've learned from practicing yoga that every person is different and has different gifts and challenges and not one person is better or worse for it. We are all entitled to peace simply because we exist. I love that because it is the truth and we do deserve it. That is the truth. Gail Owell Rhonda said, I stop and focus on my blessings and accomplishment. Mm. We love that. That's good. I love that. That's good. Deja Coley says, first, self-awareness, noticing when I'm doing it. Then I explore my senses. What's going on in this exact moment? What do I hear, smell, see, etc.? It always brings me back. Then I focus my energy towards something else. I love that. Ground yourself. That's good, Deja. T. Draper Brazel said, you literally can't think negative thoughts while speaking positively. Come on here, T. Draper Brazel. I like that. Affirming. Going back to those affirmations. Speaking out loud. Speak over your life. We hear it all the time, but it's time to do, y'all. We got to execute this season. We're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, we'll be joined by two incredible guests from our Red Table Talk community. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. 
I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature. And of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're bringing two fellow RTT community members to the virtual Red Table. I'm so glad Elisa Deans Davis is on Let's Red Table that today because she relates to a lot of what Queen Latifah shared at the Red Table. From people putting labels on her because of her size and BMI to trying to maintain her healthy view of herself and not let outside opinions affect that, Elisa gets it. Thank you, Elisa, for coming on to share your story with us. Thank you for having me. And Vanity Eddie is joining us from Riverside, California today. But this is not her first time guesting on a Red Table Talk production. If you could see her right now, you might recognize her from the fan wall in the Red Table Talk episode we're talking about today, of course, with Queen Latifah. And Vanity was not able to share how her body type has impacted her life on that episode. So that's why we had her come back today so we can give her that opportunity. So Vanity, thank you for coming to this virtual Red Table with us on Let's Red Table That. How are you today? I am awesome, guys. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me as a guest. No problem. No problem. We are excited that you are here. So let's jump into it. This is 
is the part of the show where we reveal which moments made us pause. I mean, really made us rewind the segment yes. and listen again. So this is time for wait, what? what? Wait, wait, what, what happened right there? I love, I love so, this segment. Right. Gotcha. So let's just jump on into it. One of the first moments, of course, was when Queen Latifah revealed that the cast of Living Single was told that they needed to lose weight. We helped create Living Single. So when you look at that picture, you see four different women, four different shades, four different right. types. And we look like four women who would live in Brooklyn. Right. Mm-hmm. But the word came down that we needed to lose weight. This was, now that is a weight what for real. <laughs> this was a yeah. weight what because yeah. I remember the watching the show and loved every minute. And I think it was the last thing I was thinking about. But they still brought it up. How'd y'all feel about it? I was like really shocked when I mean, the show was like what top in the African American Latino community. <laughs> Probably the number one they, show at the time. It's Queen Latifah, and they approached her and said, "You need to lose some weight." Right. And other I wish you cast would. members. Ooh, it's like the and I'm like, y'all, are, she's bringing revenue to size she is now. Y'all concerned about her weight? So yeah, that bothered me. I agree. I agree. I think it was crazy. I think about the time period when the show came out. So back then, when we were just really getting our foot in the door to be right. able to have mainstream black shows. Back then, I can see them asking absurd questions like that or uh, having those expectations. That Definitely wasn't part. realistic. I think they're crazy for even uh, expecting them to want to do that, considering the whole idea of the show was to have black members on there exploiting Say themselves it. as they are. Well, People. Say it again. What else were they expecting? And the various sizes represented me and my friends. So I'm listening like, what? And I wonder, did they approach them after Friends came out? Because we can't even look at... Friends, I'm sorry about this in the show, but that didn't represent anybody because <laughs> they had like no black people on the show. It didn't represent me. It didn't represent me. Like they had no black friends. Not at all. Like, they, had, it, it, they were in New York City. Like you would never right. see black people walking around. <laughs> it's New York City. It's New York. So... Right. If you're trying to compare Literally. to them, that's not even like reality. Not so at all. to me, living single for me watching, that was reality. I had a friend that looked like Ray Jean's character. I had a friend that looked like St. Clair. I had a friend, you know, like Max. It's, so to me, that was realistic. So right. for them to approach them and say, hey, I want you to fit into this mold of what America wants, that mm-hmm. pissed me mm-hmm. off. And yeah. so yeah, you think about what did America want? Was it just weight prejudiced? That was the last remaining acceptable bias. I can't even get it out because it just, it infuriates me. According to experts, weight prejudice Mm. is the last remaining social acceptable bias. Numerous studies have found children as young as three believe harmful stereotypes and biases toward overweight people, including that they are lazy, weak-willed, unsuccessful, and unintelligent. The fact that it is the last acceptable, that's the problem. Right. right? I've experienced some weight bias, right? But it was growing up, I have to forgive myself because it was mainly sports. Especially, oh, specifically okay. gymnastics. I grew up and just could not fit those little leotards, man. I am built different. So that was my experience. So you always feel like you need to be smaller because everyone else is. Or even cheerleader outfits. Back in high mm-hmm. school, I wanted to be a cheerleader. For me to be able to fit into that cheerleader outfit, I had to be a, around a 10, 12. And that really? was not realistic for me. Because right. a lot of those uniforms, they kind of pass down. When you think about the mm-hmm. high school setting, they don't really buy new uniforms. Sometimes they just pass them down because economically it works for mm-hmm. them. And if I couldn't fit into any of those uniforms that they were passing down, then they weren't passing anything to me. And the way so, they never uh, ordered a large. I made the chilling squad, but if I wanted to cheer and fit in that uniform, I had to lose the weight. They didn't have to say it. It was implied. It was, it implied. was definitely implied. And the other option was sweatpants. Oh, I didn't want to wear sweatpants. You know, this mm-hmm. is my first not. time making the high school cheerleading squad. I wanted to look like everyone else. I ended up drinking Slim Fast in high school. Wow. Just doing wow. things like that so that I could be able to fit into that cheerleading uniform. And here's the other part about that. Even if you are the same size, we know that the bodies are not the same. They're like, right. you literally could have the mm-hmm. same size and look completely yep. different. It kind of goes into the next wait what moment when Queen Latifah shared that she was told that she was technically obese because of her BMI. She was showing me different body types and she's like, this is what your BMI is, this is what your weight is, and you fall into this category of obesity. I was mad at that. Now, Tracy, I told you already, I, I make up my own BMI number. Wait a minute, wait a minute. This is wait what for real, y'all. Hold I just on. make up my own because I don't I like what y'all, y'all talking about. I need to make sure you heard this, okay? What do you do, Carl? I just make up my own. I don't like you what y'all... You make up your own BMI. Because my, my, the What's appropriate the BMI for me... Tracy, you know we both short now. We 5'3". 
I'm supposed, I believe I'm supposed to be 120 pounds. I don't think I've been that since fourth grade, something along those lines. Literally, if it was fourth grade, I was young. Like, I was little at that weight. But we know now, according to the Washington Post, the Body Max Index, or BMI, Cara's making up her own, she's got a CMI, was created 200 years ago by a guy who took the average height and weights of a group of white men and mm. call this the ideal body type. These measurements do not reflect most bodies today, particularly women and hello, non-white people. Can anybody say hello and hello? Yeah. Hello. hello no, no. no. <laughs> right. Point out one white man with some hips and we can talk. And, and just the fact that people who are childbearing like, just generally hold and carry more weight. So that's another thing I feel like is not considered, especially if the standard was white men. Let me say this. I just want to know what do y'all think? <laughs> 200 years ago, the standard was established by white men using white men. Can we not modify the BMI to be more relevant? This is my first time ever hearing about that. That's crazy. I mean, 200 years ago, we weren't even free. I, mean, I can go on another tangent, but... Ooh, but so we know you ain't count us, okay? No, <laughs> you know exactly. I mean? But let alone women who didn't have rights and freedom. So you take this right. group of white men and you decide this is going to be a standard. So it sounds about, yeah... Sounds about right for the times, but it definitely needs to change. You would think that someone at this point would have addressed it and it seems like everyone okay with this standard with not changing the BMI. We're asking for the medical professionals to rally together on behalf of the people of America and modify the doggone BMI to be more inclusive of what Americans Mm -hmm. look like today, Mm -hmm. including Mm -hmm. women and people of color. Mm -hmm. Thank you. On behalf Mm -hmm. of the four of us here at Let's Red Table That. Amen. So here's something else we can talk about. How has your BMI affected your life or your health care? So my BMI has affected my life. Mentally, you carry Mm. around this, I'm overweight, I'm obese. For some people who are attempting to try to lose weight or you're trying to make decisions like healthy eating and only to see Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter how hard I try, I'm still labeled obese because this Mm -hmm. index is saying that, like you said, I'm only 5'4 and I should be about maybe 135. I've never reached that. Sometimes I deal with not feeling like I'll ever be ideal. So Mm -hmm. mentally, that takes a toll on my self-esteem to feel like, I'm not what the standard should be. Healthcare, in terms of BMI, I think that is not relevant because some things, like I said, I've been playing sports all my life. And since 20, I was diagnosed with hypertension. But it had nothing to do, I think, with my body weight. I look at my history and my mom, she had a stroke at 40. My grandfather, he had a heart attack at 50. My My family had a history, so it's more, in my opinion, or what it looks like, more hereditary versus, you know, gotten this based on body weight. I've made healthy decisions to ensure that I had a healthy weight. And then by 19 years old, I'm diagnosed with hypertension. So how does the BMI really affect my health care? Is it realistic? Because you have people that are smaller than me and actually in within their BMI index and have hypertension or have Mm -hmm. diabetes. Mm -hmm. So I don't Mm -hmm. even think those two things correlate at all. Think about all the other people right now who are making alterations to their body because of this BMI index. It carries so much on certain people, including myself. Mm -hmm. And for me, I don't even address it because it it hasn't done Mm -hmm. anything to me, but... Give me low self-esteem. There's no solution. Not at all. They're mm-hmm. like, here's your BMI. Have a great day. Didn't they just think you're unhealthy? So Yeah, that's it. You're lazy, you're unhealthy, especially because <laughs> right. just because of this. I'm just lazy and unhealthy and eat fried chicken all day. That's yeah, it's an <laughs> assumption. I do, but still. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> sometimes. You know. Okay. Okay, that's funny. <laughs> What really bothers me is, because I I had no idea that this was created 200 years ago, so I've basically been, like, chasing a 200-year-old, like... Standard. White man-created standard. I mean, like, my weight has fluctuated. Tracy can tell you that since I was a child. Like, I've gone up and down, Mm -hmm. been anywhere from a size 26 to a size 10 as an adult. Same here. And I'm probably, like, a size 18 now. And a lot of it had to do with me chasing the idea of what a healthy BMI is and what the healthy image is. So right. I'm really floored by that. So I think, of course, that's definitely affected me in my life. And for me, my weight is more about just my health. I've gotten to the point I'm comfortable with who I am, how I look, mm-hmm. but I do want to be healthier. So that's why I chase, not a BMI, but I chase a healthy lifestyle. I'll put it like right. that. Having a healthy lifestyle is one thing. And I think anytime mm-hmm. you associate numbers, right, with it, it mm-hmm. makes it challenging. So my BMI is not 
in the range that is appropriate. And so I go every year, and it never has been, by the way. Hello, I can say that without any issue. It never has been. I love myself and all my assets, okay? This last year, it's time for me to come up on another wellness check. So I get a full series, the whole battery of tests run, y'all. And my doctor looks at me and sees this this extra pandemic weight and goes, "Um, you know, so Tracy, have we ever included the A1C test with you? And I looked at him and started laughing. And I was like, oh, okay. You see all these extra assets now. So you got to say to yourself, she's short and fat, so she's got to be diabetic. Let's mm-hmm. test it. So I said, we haven't done an A1C before. Let's do one now so I can show you that right. I'm not diabetic. Right. Mm-hmm. Get the test back. I was not diabetic. I was nowhere near. I wasn't pre-diabetic. I was nothing. And I told him with glee, don't let this fat fool you. I don't have <laughs> I anything. I have nothing. Right. And so the whole construct of being overweight and being obese is such a horrible mind F, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because you see that there are people who are super slim who are also unbelievably unhealthy. Yes. And they call that skinny fat a lot of times. And then why does it have to still be something fat? You I was skinny in fat yeah. too. No, you're we... just skinny unhealthy. You're skinny just, unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's unhealthy, period. Back to Vandy's point, this is, a lot of this is just genetics. You just cannot stop certain things. I definitely have kidney failure in my family. There are some things that I need to address as well, but I do have hypertension as well. And uh-huh. when it came, like my doctor was like, I need you to know you're so healthy. It's not like there's a lot that you can do. Of course, you can work out, what have you, but I need you to know you'll probably still need to take this medicine. Let so, me tell you again, this. Let me tell y'all something. And this was at work. This was a few years ago. This guy, he and I had this conversation about him being diabetic and Mm. him having hypertension. And he came to me and said, hey, Tracy. And I was like, hey, how are you doing? Name remains anonymous. We'll just call him Sam. So Sam says, with a regular Coca-Cola in his hand and a cup of ice. So Tracy, how you doing with your sugar? And I said, I don't have sugar. You don't. I said, no. He said, what you mean? I said, no, you are the one with diabetes. I don't have diabetes. I said, what are you doing with this regular Coke? And so then he comes back. He goes, you know what? You're right. You're right. Let me go ahead and get rid of this. Somebody gave this to me. I don't even want it. So he walks away and then he comes back. He goes, okay, so Tracy, now how's your hypertension? How your blood pressure? I said, my blood pressure is fine. What are you talking about? I think society makes the assumptions. Yeah, like he's going to approach you. It is. That's kind of discrimination. And this this is chit chat. This is regular conversation. So then this is what got me. I said to him, I don't have any health issues. And this was his response, y'all. He said, so you mean to tell me you just walking around here healthy? What? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I am. And he couldn't believe it. And I thought, now, Bless something is really wrong with that. Yeah, it is. Okay, so going along with BMI, a measurement of health that was not made with all bodies in mind, we learned that two in five Americans are considered obese and four in five black women are considered obese. So we have this non-inclusive view of what health is telling all of us, specifically black women, that we have a health problem when we really don't, as Tracy gave us that perfect example. Like, it's just so automatically understood. The women at the Red Table talked about some of the reasons why black women can be heavier, like a lack of access to produce. But I think it's also because of just this inherited survival mentality. I feel like we just are on the go. And if you know an emotional eater, sometimes that's just a part of the plan. We talk about a lot of things linear as if it can be prevented. But a lot of things stack on top of things to create a certain health issue for those who have it, but definitely not automatically created or linked to the BMI. So when you're hearing these statistics, ladies, what sparks in your mind? For me, I think they just need to do more research and talk to more people in different communities, somewhere where those resources are limited. Mm -hmm. And not just the food, just the knowledge. Let's talk about there, whatever, because a lot of people don't even understand or are not empowered with the information on what's healthy, Mm -hmm. what's not healthy. It's so interesting that you talked about people eating what they have and not having knowledge about different food options or even nutritional education and awareness. That is 
in addition to the food deserts that you mentioned, Cara, that is definitely one of the things that may lead to this number being accurate with the four out of five. Let me say what I know about Black people and what we come from historically. Cara has this saying, leftover slave stuff, right, Cara? Yes, I do. And the leftover slave stuff in this case was that slaves had to eat whatever they had available, right? Mm -hmm. And it wasn't fresh produce. It wasn't lean cuts of meat. It was literally scraps. And if you are coming from generations of cooking using those items, using the method that food was prepared, you are literally going to consume that. That is what you grew up eating. That is what you're going to teach your children to Mm -hmm. eat. And that may not be the necessarily healthiest option, right? And if you are on top of it, living in a food desert, that compounds the issue. And so the idea of knowing that four out of five Black women may be obese, first of all, I have issue with that word altogether, <laughs> obese. <laughs> right. My wife and I laughed because she says obese sounds like old beast. Old, big old something, right? Just, <laughs> just I don't like it. We don't like that. Why not just bigger than the average American? Because that is somewhat of a basis of what they're going upon. What is it? Is it really bigger than the average American when the average American size is the size of 14? I don't know if it's gone up since then. Like, seriously. Yeah, what is the size of an average American, really? Yeah. Baby. Size 16, right. Okay, okay. Keep going up. <laughs> we all big old beasts, then that's the case. <laughs> big old we all beasts. big old something. I was telling Tracy, too, like, on top of the eating scraps and things that we only had and somewhat mirroring and continuing that throughout our life, you know, I, I tend to be an emotional eater. You just got to be honest with who you are and where you are. Baby, me and my son were celebrating everything in COVID. Hey, we bought a cake. We just, listen, we can only go to the grocery <laughs> store. Bought us a cake today. We just going to celebrate life in our culture or as African-Americans, Black women, whatever you want to call us. It's so much going to the left. Sometimes a cake feels right. I just, sometimes people want a cupcake, a Snickers. You're not yourself when you're hungry. So many subliminals as well as we're on the go, chasing dreams and doing whatever. Mm-hmm. A lot of us are just eating out of survival, out of habit or trying to find a little, some type of silver lining in their day, okay? Even on Everybody Hates Chris, love that show. I feel like that mom had that turtle. She had those turtles randomly. She did. She She always wanted just a little turtle. Oh, she sure did, yeah. Like small things like that create a bigger... Just to have a moment. Just a moment. Just Just to have a a moment. moment. So as a mom, I feel that. the moments that we have Mm -hmm. are connected to food. And so the other part of that for women of color is that we had historically bodies that had to bear the labor of Mm -hmm. a land, right? We bore the children. We had to work the fields. We had to work in the house. There was work that needed to be Mm -hmm. done. Your body naturally reacts to what you give it. And Mm -hmm. so you're going to be bigger, right? And many stayed pregnant. My grandmother had nine children. Her mother had eight. Like, it's just certain things generationally were different. So uh, I know. Elisa, <laughs> our grandmother. Yeah, she had, what, my mom told me 13, and then three died at birth. But yeah, right? so she had 10 children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, but that's being pregnant probably from, I don't know, maybe age 18 to <laughs> the way the I have your one body. Child, okay. And the way that pregnancy mm-hmm. took my body through to do it 10 times. This is in the 30s and 40s and 50s. Right. Healthcare was not what it is now. So right. These women were amazing. We talked about the ridiculousness of Queen Latifah and the cast of Living Single being asked to lose weight. But one beautiful part of that story was that Shaquem, Queen's business partner, absolutely stood by her and was like, no way. <laughs> You're not no you're not way. gonna do this. You're not gonna Yes. She's not I'm changing so glad the thing. To hear as this. a matter of fact. Alisa, have you had support like this when outside influences try to make your body their issue? My family, my parents. I can tell a story too. I don't know if I'm going too deep, but sure. when I was like probably about ten or eleven and it's a family member who drinks a lot in the family and he was drinking a lot and he made a comment to me and he was like, Oh man, you gotten so fat. And I'm a little girl, right? This is a grown man telling me this. So my other cousin, who's a year younger than me, stood up for me. 
And it meant, and to this day, I still tell him that. I still I want to cry. He just started going off on him. You old drunk man, you shouldn't be talking to her like that. And this cousin to this day, like, I saw him like three months ago. I said, I'm not going to say his name. I will never forget, even as a 10-year-old girl, how you stood up for me. Come on, cousins. For the most part, my family have always had support. No one's ever made me feel some kind of way about it. Mm-hmm. That one uncle, when he was full of that liquor, revealed who he was. But I had someone there to support me. That meant the world to me. And even now, as a 44-year-old woman, I still recall that. And it's crazy, but that's the kind of support that we have to give each other in our community right. and our children, regardless. Right. You never forgot how the uncle made you feel. Yes. And you never forgot how the cousin supported you. Yes. And that is powerful. And the fact that you said, just thinking about it, and the support you got can make you cry. Because mm-hmm. people don't understand that sometimes their words hurt. They hurt, And yeah. they last, right? And regardless of all the things I've done, successes I had in my life, that still sits with me. This 10-year-old girl who's right. sitting here being ridiculed by her adult uncle. And I forgive him because he has a drinking problem, you know? But still, my cousin, I love on him more because of how he reacted as a child. He knew right. it wasn't right, and he took up for me. Right. Who was younger so, than you. Who was younger than me, and you're younger, yeah. Just the way we mm-hmm. carry things, though. It's a luggage that you didn't even know had a handle. You know what I mean? Like, you mm-hmm. just kind of look at it like in one, a blurb of a moment, but you carry that. But part of those verbals are one of the reasons that contribute to the weight. And that's the thing people want to realize. One person can really jack you up in the head. So mm-hmm. people have to really be mm-hmm. careful with the words they use, especially with young people, because they can carry that. Yeah. Right. Well, Lisa, you talked about having an experience in school when you were bullied. I also want to know mm-hmm. from everyone else, if you were heavier than your classmates as a child, what was the school and, like, growing up like for you? Do you wish they would have acted differently or were they on point and supported you? Or tell us about any childhood experiences you had. Unfortunately, growing up, so I ended up moving down south for my high school years. And when I moved down south, I moved down with my grandparents in this little town in South Carolina. And at age 13, pow, 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 all these curses coming out. And my grandparents, these country, religious, cover that up. They even talked to me about losing some weight. Like you, know, you were the hips. problem. Yeah. And then my grandma, I'm like, I'm shaped just like her. She's wide and curvy, too. Now, we talked about eat. My grandma, she was from the South, so she cooked everything with, like, pork in it. So, like, she wasn't helping the situation. But, yeah, was telling me, like, these things to do, even try to not eat as much, not supporting me and who I was to the point where, like I said, I'm always trying to lose weight. So, yeah, definitely I did not have a lot of support. I can remember in high school, I was a prom by myself because none of the guys wasn't even... Oh, I don't think it was interested. Oh, and I don't mm-hmm. think they were interested. And then fast forward. Did we all go to prom by ourselves? Is that what I'm hearing? I did. I well, did my girlfriends. Too. What's up, my friends? We need to get yeah, together we and go to the, go have our own prom right. one day. Okay. Oh, exactly. Yeah, I'm down a, for let's it. Let's have I'm a red so tape serious. talk. Let's red tape let's that prom. Let's do it. Let's right. red tape that prom. <laughs> it did affect me because I didn't have that support. I didn't have that cousin, Elisa, that had jumped in and said, hey, you're perfect how you are. I really struggled. Mm-hmm. I really struggled throughout high school because I couldn't do anything with this butt. No matter how much ran, how much I worked out, mm-hmm. how much slim fast I drank, how much I starved myself. And a lot of those things were unhealthy. I was mm-hmm. not knowing whatever I was practicing mm-hmm. unhealthy habits, nutritional mm-hmm. habits. Right. Instead of my parents, my family telling me, hey, this is what you can do to help you have a better, healthy lifestyle. But I get it. They were older. They didn't really mm-hmm. understand because as you go back again, you talk about them not having the resources and not being able to teach well, me better ways to or better habits or eating habits and nutritional habits. At first, I wanted to be mad with them because, Grandma, you told me how to eat that cornbread. And cornbread Corn was bread a staple. Dead. Right, right. I want to tap into that. Like we, number one, cornbread was a thing of, and rice. And I think about the things that we used to eat. We were trying to stay full because yes. we knew that there was a lack. So it goes back to that growing up in survival. But then also talking about our parents having the resources. I definitely want to say this. Asking my parents to work out didn't make any sense to them. It just was not a part of their culture. Again, a resource they didn't have. And when we look back, like they took me to my sports and stuff, but they had to work. So after you worked okay. two jobs, yeah. Yeah. Same walk here. three miles for what? You know what I mean? It just wasn't a part of the culture. I know my grandma didn't work out, but 
also their life was the workout. <laughs> I feel like right. that's what I was it just going to say, she worked out plenty. It was just anaerobic workout. Right. It was anaerobic exercise mm-hmm, because, mm-hmm. and to the point of lack, I think that the, most of the food, the cornbread fed and beans and rice was literally, you had to have some stick to your ribs kind of food to do some of the things that they did just from day yeah. to day. They had hard living mm-hmm. and... Our life is so much more sedentary than it was. Oh, yeah. Oh, work from uh, home is what? <laughs> right. What'd you do again? <laughs> I don't even understand right. what that is. Let me tell you, I, I can tell from my childhood, whew, some of you relate to this. If you have other siblings or family members, my sister, my older sister, whom I absolutely adore, was lighter skinned and super petite. So then the younger sister, here I come along, and I'm the darker skin, and I'm short, but I'm thick. Not slim thick, as the folks said. I was the chubby sister, right? So it was always, for me, the comparison with my sister. And she was not like just a little petite. Like she was T90 petite, y'all. She was like size four petite, Mm -hmm. okay? I think I was born a size four. So, you know, I mean, I didn't ever get to that, okay? And so there was always a difference for me. And then the sad part, unlike Elisa, is my dad had absolute fat prejudice. He Mm. had 100% fat prejudice. I remember Mm. him telling me when I was, I want to say maybe in my early 20s, that he looked at me and said, which I wasn't even near the size I am now, by the way. He looked at me and he said, it's just a shame. I just can't, I can't shame you into losing weight. My daddy mm. definitely told me I was fat and don't no man want no fat girl. <laughs> like My dad six. said the same thing. My dad said mm. the same thing. What the heck? <laughs> but you, I'm going to be... tell you what I told my dad. Rest <laughs> in peace, daddy. I'm here on earth and I'm telling the truth on you as mm-hmm. we speak. I said, look here, daddy. You are not going to shame me into losing weight because I am with my body all the time. I Mm -hmm. feed my body. I wash my body. I clothe my body. I love my body. So you're right. You're not going to shame me into losing weight. And to that, he said, what's wrong with you is that you need to eat more pork. You're eating all all them burgies and all that stuff. You need to eat more pork. Which goes back to what we talked about from what they knew. What What my dad knew was Mm -hmm. his family Mm -hmm. worked. They were laborers. They Mm -hmm. had hearty food and hearty meals and they Mm -hmm. burned it off. Mm-hmm. That's not my lifestyle, that part. right? Mm-hmm. Until the day he died, he was quick to tell you that I was fat. When I say that last generation didn't care what people thought, I heard a story about Blue Ivy. Blue Ivy was talking to Jay-Z, her dad, and she was like, what you said made me sad, and Jay-Z listened. And when I told my dad, he said something that made me sad. My dad said, if I can't talk to you, how's the world going to talk to you? Mm-hmm. So things like that, him telling me no man wants a fat girl, like... Mm. Why am I worried about what a man wants a six? I don't even know why that's even, but that's just their right. language. You were that six? was six. I was definitely oh, wow. like six to eight. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah it was bad crazy. back they then. They blessed their hearts. I think they were saying and doing, like you said, Tracy, the best that they could to help us be accepted and be better than them. It's interesting because here we are saying, with the exception of Elisa. That we had family members, our parents, saying Mm -hmm. things to us that were not positive, that were negative things associated with our bodies when we were young. Right. And while they may have been preparing us in their minds, what they were really doing was traumatizing us. Mm. Throwing their insecurities as well. Again, I did sports and watched my mom do, as every other woman probably in the 80s and 90s, every fad diet there was. We can count mm. on society to right? continue to feed into the mindsets that we have. And one consequence of the negative view society has for bigger-bodied people that Red Table did not dive into is diet culture. Cara, you mm-hmm. just talked about this. We all know these fad diets that pop up can be so harmful to people's health. Mm-hmm. Vanity, have you ever gotten sucked into a diet and what happened because of it? Oh my God. Keto, 2080 calories, fat and carbs, counting mm-hmm. my carbs, counting my calories, fasting. You get so tired of counting. Just so many different. And what happened? I'm still fat. You We're know, still do you identify as fat? <laughs> I identify would say fat. You know fat? what? No, I don't identify. I identify myself as bigger body. That's how I identify. It's so interesting because I think the key in that is the fad, that Mm -hmm. word. It's Mm -hmm. a fad diet. It's not Mm -hmm. a modified lifestyle. And Mm -hmm. you think about diet, that word on its own has die in it, 
Like, right. it is not right. going to last. <laughs> it is temporary. You know what I mean? Right. Yes. I completely agree. One of Queen Latifah's main points in this episode was about how the language we use to talk about weight and body types is the problem, not our actual bodies. Okay, let me say that one more time. It's not our bodies, y'all. It is the language. And I'm like, obesity? Right. So I was like, no. Right. Because I didn't see myself that way. That's what I'm saying. But that's the problem. And that's why I'm here. Because that word brings a connotation with it. Right. Okay. And the connotation is the problem. I'm so happy that Mm -hmm. Queen Latifah points this out. Mm -hmm. Do you feel the terms we use to describe curvy women are harmful? Like we talked about obese. What else? Thick, slim, thick. All I was that say, it's nice and degrading at the same time. Yeah. Sometimes it comes off as derogatory. It comes off a little over-sexual. Mm-hmm. It's already bad that our bodies are over-sexualized anyway. But right. then we had all these terms on top of it. I'm okay. Miss me with it. Even like some clothing stores and retail. Like I remember, I'm not going to, it's a well-known clothing store that's been around for years. And I remember because I've been shopping there since I was in, a teenager. Because I have a size, probably like a size 20 when I was in high school. They would say, you're going to either be a size one, two, or three, like in a store. So you would fit that range, and you're going to either be a triangle, an apple, a pear, or an inverted triangle. And I'm like, that wants to be called an inverted triangle, or an apple, or a pear. Why am I a fruit? And then also, like, <laughs> they would say, and I guess for an hourglass, they would call, well, say it was hourglass. So everyone wants to be an hourglass, right? But if you're Who not, then you're an apple. hourglass figure, right? Right. And I'm more of a pear shape, I'm smaller to t- top and larger to bottom. I guess they're trying to make you feel comfortable in who you are, but you're I also guess. making those other women feel bad about themselves. Right. Because I'm not an hourglass, so I guess I can call myself an apple or a pear or an inverted triangle. And that is, it's just super annoying. I don't know what they're trying Plus to do. Bless their hearts. And it didn't last for a long time, but then also they would say, well, you need a size two. And I'm, I'm not a size two, but I guess they wanted you to feel your size <laughs> two. You're a size two pear shape. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, you a big right. girl too. No, I'm a size 20 <laughs> and I'm wide at the bottom. <laughs> Let me own who I am. Let it me is own who okay. I am. Right. Stop trying to tell me what I'm supposed to be and calling me a piece of damn fruit. I'm not a piece of fruit. That part. Right. right. That part. What are some of the terms that feel empowering to you? Curvy, voluptuous. Okay. I'm okay with full figure. I'm okay with okay. full figure. Just successful. Because I, do I have exactly. to describe it as something? I that's am this size exactly. in 2022. Just, yeah. I definitely remember going through life, especially in my adult ages, and like pieces of my life by weight. I was at my mm. lowest adult weight here. I was mm. at my highest adult weight here on this vacation. And versus, what was the memory, sis? Like, so trying yeah, to right. stop that mm. and rechange that narrative for myself moving forward. That's a gift that we can really share with people to know that if you are really experiencing joy in right. the moment, right? don't associate what your weight is. Yes, please Because don't. you're literally robbing yourself of the joy of that experience. Right. That is so true. I remember looking back, and I don't know if you guys, if this is true for you too, and thinking at this weight, oh gosh, when I was XYZ weight, I thought I was really big. Now, look, I wish <laughs> I could go back to being that size. The way right? we beat ourselves up randomly, like Vanity said, this BMI carries yeah. it goes with you like a shadow, like a ghost. Just it's crazy, girl. You still big. You get that new pick three number on the scale, boy, and I don't know why. <laughs> I call it what? pick three number because <laughs> okay, pick wait three. A minute. I love it. I love it <laughs> because. Listen, it's a, for some reason, I was looking for a number on the scale, right? And I could okay, just yeah. eat a cupcake and still be looking for that number. Girl, <laughs> yeah. just what's your pick three number today? Because You know what? You mm. know what the logic was, though. It's because we have been literally yep. fed that you had to be a certain size, a certain number had to be on the scale. Right, right. Mm. That is true. That I love true. that you called it pick three, though. Because yeah, I don't care. Now. And I'm, <laughs> I hate to say I don't care because I know people hear that and be like, oh, she don't care about her waiter. It's just a longer life goal for me. So once you know more about your body, I promise it feels a lot better too. Because it can consume you otherwise. Yes, it, it can. Sure can. Queen Latifah openly shared that she is considered obese, something that most people are not eager to disclose, but she did so to explain the problem with obesity is the associations we pair it with. If you're comfortable sharing, Elisa, we know that you have some stories. So what labels have doctors or others given you based on your size and how did that affect you mentally? Not so the doctors, but being in school and being bullied, being called fat, mm-hmm. or someone assuming that because you are overweight, you're lazy. 
or you're slow, right. or even they sometimes they'll try to question your intelligence. Child, yes, they oh, will. My <laughs> yes, they will. Goodness. Yeah, because you look a certain way. That means you're not taking care of yourself, which means you're not very smart. Which ding, means you're ding, also ding. lazy, which means you're also fat. Like, it can just definitely, like, trickle down so much different things. My parents, I really value them in the fact that they always taught me self-esteem. They really did. And so it would be difficult to get that at home and then go out and you have other people see your different ways. So I was always kind of battling with that. But I did have the comfort right. at home in knowing that, you know what, you're still beautiful regardless of what size you are. And so I think for me growing up, I had to realize, okay, I am smart. I, I feel like, what's the movie with yes. Viola Davis? Yes. Yeah, exactly. You is smart. You is, you is smart. Yeah. You is because important. the world and society and people a lot of times in school, let's say you're on a playground and you mm. got to pick your teammates, whatever. And being the last person picked because they assume, because I'm a certain size, I can't run as fast Shut. or I'm lazy. <laughs> or as an adult, when it's time to go on a vacation or you girl tripping with your girlfriends, and mm-hmm. I tend to be the bigger one in the group, right? Me there, too. There is a vibe when y'all go out to eat and it's a booth and they kind of looking like, girl, can you fit here? Girl, let's mm-hmm. just eat. Right, don't worry about me. And I wait, wait, my wait, girls, wait. like, they Cara, love me, but this is a real thing. Are you saying that? Do they literally ask you if you can fit in the booth? No, I feel like it's always implied. These are my girlfriends. They love me. But I mean, even when you're out to eat at a restaurant or when you're just people who assume or they'll look at you a certain way. I can't believe you ordering that. Maybe it is my insecurity or what I feel based on past experiences. You know what I mean? But there's definitely sometimes an inkling of... Can you fit here? Like small moments that I feel Mm -hmm. like people who may be an average size don't have to think about. It's Mm. definitely assumptions, but it's also like people putting their insecurities on you too. True. I think that's a lot of it too. Like you're saying, you're on a plane. The seatbelt might be kind of tight, but I can buckle it up. And I don't have a flight attendant walk by. Can I see your (gasps) seatbelt? I don't think you probably ask anybody else that. (laughs) In my mind, I'm like, I hope she trying to do her job. Because right, you don't want to get crazy, get buck about it. And I don't. I'm just like, okay, right. here it is. Because you don't want to embarrass the situation more. Because well, it's already a stigma about being overweight and being black, whatever. That's the, the biggest thing for me is I think just people a lot of times putting their insecurities on me. Tracy, Do what? You, assuming. Oh, I, Have you never right, felt this, I Tracy? I know, I know, I know. My mind You've is never blown felt this? right now. My mind is blown right don't now. Don't get me wrong. Mm. When I walk in a room, I don't care. I'm probably going to be yeah. the biggest personality there. I'm going to be the biggest everything there when I walk in a mm. room anyway. Mm-hmm. Think what you want, but you can feel it. Sometimes you can feel that energy. I can tell you... A flight attendant doesn't have to ask me if they need to see my seatbelt because I'm walking in with my own damn extender. How about that? There you go. Uh, wait a minute. You got that off Amazon? Amazon. Stop come on it. here. There and I need go. it. My assets are wide. And I want to make sure they're covered when I get on the plane. And they're safe. Yes. yes. It's the extender for me. Look yes, up it's in my purse. flight extender just I have my in own. case. That's a good idea. I'm real body aware, right? Don't play games with me. Right. Asking me to see my doggone seatbelt. Not the Bring seat me a beverage, ma'am. <laughs> right. And a snack. <laughs> Bring me some cookies. We are absolutely delighted that you joined us today. Yes. I'm telling you, I enjoyed you both. Vanity and Elisa, thank you yes. so much for being with thank us. You thank you for having, having us. Thank you so much. It's awesome. We, we got to schedule to. a day for that prom, though. Yes, I'm we do. That's right. Yes. That's right. We love it. We got to schedule yes. our virtual prom. Right. Mm-hmm. We're going to bring you back. Our Let's Red Table That Prom date is on. Got you. I love it. We're going to take a short break right now, and when we return, we'll share our top five takeaways from this episode. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step and you don't know what it is yet you need God to show you your next step because God I can't stay where I am like I am where it is this isn't going to work I I have to move on but I don't know where a lot of time you'll use it as an excuse well I don't know how I don't know where I don't know what God if you show me God if you tell me God no, no 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 you know enough right now and if you needed to know more he would show you Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. 
Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table, because geek culture is pop culture, and we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Episode. Listen, discussing this episode has been such a learning experience for me, so I'm excited to finally share our top five thoughts. I love the top five (laughs) thoughts. This is part of the show where we speed through five thoughts slash takeaways from the episode. Let's fire them off. Number five, choose love for yourself Always, mm-hmm. you must. I mean, not some of the time, yourself. not part of time. <laughs> Every day, always. Number four, it's not about weight; it's about health. There's so much more to it, as we discussed today. We know. <laughs> yes, you know what I. You know what I always tell people. What? Don't let the fat fool you, <laughs> and that's it. Am I right? That's the post, and that's it. <laughs> Don't let the fat fool you. Right. I love it. Number three. Start your body positivity journey right now. Every day. Don't wait. Love on yourself. I agree. Number two, self-talk is powerful. Yes, what you tell yourself is important. What others have told you is Mm, important mm. as well. And Mm -hmm. as we talked about with our guests, sometimes you may need to remove that from your mind. Get it out of there. So remember those things that actually matter to you. Hold on to those. And number one, you cannot base your view of yourself on outside opinions. That's key. That is the truth. Worry about what you think about yourself. That's it. Outside is never going to give you what you need. Don't Mm -mm. rely on them. And it's ever-changing. And once you set yourself looking for the outside opinion, you'll always be looking for an outside opinion. And you'll never be satisfied. We want to know how you are feeling about this new season of Red Table Talk. And we are mm-hmm. open to talk about anything with you. So send anything. in your questions at Let's Red Table That at redtabletalk.com. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe on iHeartRadio app and please rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts. We want a five. We'll be back next week for another episode of Let's Red Table That. 
A big thank you to our executive producers, Jada Pinkett-Smith, Ellen Rackerton, and Fallon Jethro. And thank you to our producer, Kyla Kaneru, and our associate producer, Yolanda Chow. And finally, thank you to our sound engineers, Calvin Bailiff and Devin Donahue. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Claim comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.